without me and within me is death assured. But within you, I am life most pure. What am I? Okay, kids. He, Billy jumped the gun. Kids, help us out. We'll, we'll do one more round in case you didn't hear him. I can be sparkling, but I'm not a star. I can run, but I don't have any legs. I can fall, but I don't get hurt. I'm found in a bath, but I'm not a rubber duck. I can help you clean, but I'm not soap. What am I? Water. That's right. Answer is water. Well, some consider water to be a free commodity. And yet there's nothing more valuable to us when it's scarce. And maybe you know that personally. Maybe you've, maybe you've been out on a, in, the, in the wilderness uh, or out on, the, on a boat, uh, let's say on salt water, so you couldn't drink the water that was all around you. And your water source ran out. So you know from experience the value of water. Well, in our text this morning, Jesus offers living water. And I have to say, I'm very thankful for this water this morning. I, my, uh, my voice isn't um, all there, so thank you to uh, the kind soul who put this up here. Um, but Jesus talks this morning about water, living water. And before we dive into our text, let's take a journey through the Bible's imagery of living water. And so we see in the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, we, we see that out of the ground, the Lord made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. So from the, the very beginning of the Bible, we see living water bringing life. And believe me, there's a lot of references to water, the kind of water that Jesus is talking about uh, throughout the Bible, uh, throughout the Psalms especially. But let's turn to a little bit past the middle of the Bible, to the book of Ezekiel. And Ezekiel is one of these prophets that may be hard to understand. But in Ezekiel chapter 47, we see another picture of water. Verses 1 through 2 of Ezekiel chapter 47. <clears throat> then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces towards the east. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. And we're going to skip down to verse 5. But what, what's happening here is the water is, is gaining momentum and, and uh, it is gaining volume and it is gaining depth. And so by verse 5, again he measured a thousand um, and it was a river that I could not pass through, for the waters had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. 
And as I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, the water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Erebah and enters the sea. Where the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. In other words, the, the, the water that comes from the throne of God brings life and nourishment. And even as it empties into the sea, instead of becoming brackish and salty, the, the sea becomes fresh. We see a similar picture uh, at the end of the Old Testament. If you turn to Zechariah chapter 14, verses 8 through 9, we, we read, On that day, living waters shall flow out from Jerusalem, half of them to the eastern sea and half of them to the western sea. It shall continue in summer as in winter. Understand that in Palestine, summer is dry, winter is when the rains come and the snow comes. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. This is a great vision of what will one day happen. And then if you turn to the very end of the book, all the way to Revelation chapter 22, where we see this beautiful picture of the new heavens and the new earth, and it's impossible not to see connections here to the Garden of Eden. In Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 3, we read, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and of His servants will worship Him. So living water, or spring water, represents the very presence and the very nourishment of God throughout the Bible. And in our text this morning, a, a physically tired and thirsty, bucketless Jesus sits by a well in the heat of the day, and he offers living water to a thirsty soul. And that's our first point of our message this morning. And that is that Jesus offers living water to the thirsty soul. Look back at verse 7 of, of John, of John chapter 4. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For the disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now the truth is that all of us are spiritually thirsty souls. All humans. That's why people do things like build Disney World, places like that. Ultimately, it's because there's a, there's a big, thirsty um, hole inside 
their soul. We're all thirsty spiritually. And that's why we are gathered in this room this morning. Well, the question is, what kind of water are you drinking right now in your life to satisfy, to satiate that thirst? Now, Palestine, in Jesus' time, had three sources of usable water. Now, I'm not referring to the sea here because that was unusable, all right, uh, in terms of nourishing life. Um, three sources of usable water, and the first source was living water. That would be sweet, moving, fresh, spring water, like, like a brook. And, and this is the literal meaning here of the words that Jesus offers a Samaritan woman. When he, when he says, um, living water, what she heard was fresh spring water. That, that's, that's better to drink than what I got in this well. Um, I'm dipping a bucket um, uh, into a deep well. We, we've actually found this well. Archaeologists have found this well. You can actually go visit it in your sikar if you like. Uh, today, it's 100 feet deep, okay? Um, back in the day, it was probably deeper. So this was a deep well, a uh, water well, uh, and it would have been uh, good enough to drink, but it was not spring water. It's not what you would find coming out of a, from a river, uh, of a clean spring river that's fresh. So the literal meaning of living water is fresh spring water. It's, it's what we read about in Psalm 42, 1 through 2. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for, the, for God, the living God. When will I come and appear before God? So what does fresh spring uh, uh, living water do for us? Well, in a, in a dry and, and dusty land like Palestine or Afghanistan, water represents life. And, and I've flown over the, the, the land many times of Afghanistan. Um, and, and when you're flying over the central high plains of Afghanistan, you look down, it really looks kind of like the moon. And I, I remember visiting a, a NATO base uh, in Chagcharan, right in the middle of the country. Um, and, and the Lithuanians there at the time wore this patch on their, uh, on, on their, on their, on their shoulder that said, um, welcome to the moon. <laughs> and, and so it wasn't really nice. You know, it might have hurt your feelings if you're a uh, resident of Gore province. Um, but anyway, uh, it does look kind of like the moon uh, from the air. And yet in the springtime, you may notice as you fly over, especially if you're flying in a helicopter, lower altitude, you may notice uh, green ribbons. And, and if you're traveling by land, um, and I've done that, uh, and you, come, you may come to a place where there's a spring or a fresh river from snowmelt in the spring that just turns a, a dusty valley green. And it's beautiful. And there's life there flourishing in the middle of rugged wilderness. You'll see wildflowers. And, and, and things grow. And, and just water bubbling, gurgling across the land. And, and it forms this beautiful juxtaposition against the dusty mountains behind it. So what does the living water that Jesus offered do for us? Well, it gives us spiritual life. It also cleanses us from our sins. And, and what a beautiful picture we've already seen today of, of baptism. Uh, a picture of, of in Christ and through Christ being cleansed 
um, having our sins washed away. Though, though your sins are, are many, his, 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 his mercy is more. And he has washed your soul if you're in Christ. Beautiful picture, baptism is, of cleansing. But it also, for the Christian, brings peace and refreshment of the soul. Psalm 23 that Pastor Bart read for us this morning is a beautiful picture of that. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. In other words, peaceful waters. Good water that I can drink that will nourish me and give me life. Well, Jesus offers living water, and, and our second point is that only living water from Jesus will satisfy the soul. Only living water from Jesus will satisfy the soul. So in verse 11, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? As I mentioned before, this is a deep well, and you don't even have a bucket. How are you going to get fresh spring water? She's asking him, where is your source? More importantly, she's asking him, who are you? And so she continues, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drink from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Well, well later in the conversation, we see that Jesus did clearly reveal his identity to her. But right now, he focuses on this offer that he has for her. And, and, he, and he said to her in verse 13, everyone who drinks of this water, that would be Jacob's well, will be thirsty again. And so that leads us to the, the second kind of water in Palestine was what we might call standing water, such as the water in Jacob's well. And if you are a thirsty traveler, this well water would satisfy that thirst temporarily, but you would need to drink again. And in the heat of the day, it wouldn't be long before you would need to drink again. Well, maybe you are trying to satiate your thirst with water from Jacob's well instead of from the living spring that Jesus offers. Well, what might that look like? Well, maybe that would look like trying to find hope by buying stuff. Okay, maybe you just love, and some of you uh, maybe distinctly don't love this, okay? Uh, try to contain your groans. But maybe you love going down to Destin Commons and shopping. And you love the, ex the experience. And, 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 and maybe, and, and I'm, I'm trying not to look over here at my daughter right now, um, maybe you're trying to find hope in the things that you buy. If I could just get, and, and it, look, I, I have to look in the mirror too because I think every one of us at some point has looked forward to buying something, right? Might have been a, a motorcycle or a horse, right? Um, something that was going to just make the rest of your life wonderful. Well, maybe you're not a Destin Common shopper, but you like to buy things online. And, and not only do you, do you spend a good bit of time shopping online, but you track the shipments. Some of you are laughing because that's you, or maybe it's your significant other 
right? Or someone in your house. And you are tracking those shipments and you can't wait. I mean, you count the hours down until that box of joy appears and it just transforms your life. Well, maybe actually it's the satisfaction that you try to find by finding the very best possible deal. Does that resonate with anybody? Nobody's laughing, but I see a few people shaking their head. Well, guess what? Here, and here's the thing. You're never going to find it. Okay? I hate to ruin your day, but you're never going to find the very best deal uh, because there's always a better deal somewhere, right? Maybe next week, you know, um, the worst thing you can do, of course, is, is to, after you've bought your product, to keep shopping to see, to make sure. And some of you are laughing because uh, maybe like me, you've been, you've been guilty there. Maybe it's not buying stuff, but it's something else, like eating stuff, whether it's a, a fine meal at, at Ruth's Chris or just a bag of chips, you're running to food to try to fill up that spiritual thirst. Or maybe that's not you at all. Maybe you're the opposite of that. Instead of eating, you discipline yourself, right? You work hard. You're chasing success, Maybe, maybe it's about the body. Maybe you're sculpting the perfect body in the gym. Well, guess what? Some of you are shaking your head. Some of you don't even want me to say it. It ain't going to last. Well, maybe it's academic success, professional success, climbing the, the leadership ladder at, at work, right? And, and you're doing that to try to fill up the soul, and you're drinking from Jacob's well. Or, or maybe it's living for pleasure. And, and so in the morning, you got on your, on your bedside table, you got your Bible, and you got your iPhone, and you reach over there, and what do you grab? You grab that iPhone. Why? Is, is it because the text and the emails uh, and the social media stuff is that important? Or is it there, are you searching for some kind of pleasure that you think is going to meet a need of the soul, you're, you're trying to satisfy a thirsty soul, and, and here i got to groan a little with you because here's where, you know, guilty, uh, confession time, maybe through experiences, um, or it could be entertainment. You know, uh, I, I, I tend to look forward to challenges, like a backpacking trip, right? But, but maybe, maybe you're living for vacation. You ever been on a cruise? Some of you have been on cruises. I've been on a cruise. What, what happens? When, does a cruise bring joy, like lasting happiness? Well, what happens? People get on the boat with expectation and hope. And what happens when they get off the boat? They're all depressed, right? And maybe a little anxious about the travel plans to get home, right? Uh, they're thinking about the pounds they put on. Um, I, I, I remember being on a cruise with my wife many years ago when we were first married and they had this big deck party, and the, the, um, the, the cruise director uh, was kind of this cheesy guy trying to kind of whip everybody up into a, you know, into, into a festive mood and to get everybody out there dancing. And suddenly reality hit, and out there in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico, this older gentleman just hit the deck. Boom, he came down hard. I don't know if it was a heart attack or what happened, and everybody stopped. The music stopped, band stopped playing, and what happened? But reality happened all of a sudden. Right? Reality broke in. Sorry, folks. I know I'm being a downer. Some of you are back from cruises recently. Um, and, and, and I hope you had a good time. I'm not here trying to, like, uh, you know, ruin your day, right? Make you feel guilty for going on a cruise or whatever, a vacation. 
But what happened? Reality set in. And suddenly this man's life was in jeopardy. And, and, and you know, the medics came and, uh, you know, the ship's dock came. And, you know, they, they hauled him off with his wife next to him. And, and so everyone's kind of standing around looking kind of glum. And the cruise director tried to restart the party by saying, this brave man would want the party to go on. Well, I'm not so sure that was on the guy's mind. If he was conscious at the time, he was probably just hoping to see his family again and have them around him. Well, Pastor Matt Carter explained that the essence of sin is, quote, pursuing satisfaction in something other than God. Now, I'm not saying that it's a sin to work hard, or to enjoy a good meal, or a vacation, and and to worship God through that experience. In fact, I hope you will enjoy a good meal. I hope the Lord will allow you at some point to go on a vacation, but I hope you won't live for that or worship that, but instead through that worship God and, and even recognize signposts of heaven through your experience. You know what I mean? As, as you enjoy the, a sunset from, from the deck or a wonderful meal with your, your, your spouse, that you will be reminded that, that these are pictures God's given us of our future if we're in Christ, right? Pictures of, of, of his glory. He made those things. He's given those things to us, but let's not worship the, the temporary signposts instead of him. If we try to fill up our thirsty hearts with these things, they will always come up empty. Possessions and food and success and pleasure, all of these offer diminishing returns that do not last. C.S. Lewis called this in his book, The Screwtape Letters, one older, wiser demon instructing a younger demon in how to tempt humanity. That's the context. He called this, quote, an ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure. In other words, we have to get more and more to try to catch that always elusive satisfaction. Well, the truth is that nothing short of God himself with us will ever satisfy our heart's affections. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon records this. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 10, he says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. And, And he had a lot of money, by the way, and a whole lot of power to pursue things that we might not be able to get. All right? He says, my heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward of all my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Whether it was sexual pleasure or food or even structural accomplishments of the things that he had built. All of it, at the end of the day, was vanity. It did not fill his soul. Well, sometimes 
we go for worse water than that which is found in Jacob's well in our quest to satisfy our soul thirst. The, the third kind of water <clears throat> in Palestine was runoff water that you might try to collect with a cistern. So it might have been in a, uh, a place during the, the rains of the fall, right? So a pit dug in the ground, um, plastered, or it might have been near a well like Jacob's and, and kind of a runoff for whatever well, uh, water would spill. And, and you would not normally drink out of that. And, and, and sometimes in these cisterns, they would crack. The plaster would crack over time, especially in the summer as the sun was beating down. And the water would seep out and all you were left with was sludge. So that's the third kind of water that was used in the days of Jesus in Palestine. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 12, God says, Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Well, truth is, sometimes we just go straight for the sludge, thinking that somehow that will satisfy the thirst that we have. And it, it might be sinful relationships. And frankly, in this context, that is what was going on in this woman's uh, situation, right? She had been through a string of bad relationships, trying to fill up a thirsty soul. One writer explained, quote, she was attempting to quench her thirst through relationships. She was moving from one bad relationship to another and from one bed to another. But like a traveler in a desert, her thirst was never quenched. Well, that sludge could look like a lot of things in our lives. It, it could be harmful addictions. It could be the swallow, or the puff, or the pill, or the eye fill that gives us a moment of pleasure but slowly kills the soul. Brothers and sisters, that's what looking at pornography will do to you. It, it will bring death to your soul. So whether you're drinking from the materialism and the success or the, the pleasure of Jacob's well, or from the broken cisterns of sexual sin, you will never be satisfied with this water. Jesus said in verse 14 to her, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. And that's because God does satisfy the thirsty heart. He does it by giving us himself. He does it by giving us himself. He, he designed us at the very beginning to live in relationship with him. And he planted this beautiful garden in Eden to, to walk with us and to commune with us. And we know that, that our sin has, has broken that, broken that communion that, that we are designed to have with God. And so you have a bunch of thirsty people running around seeking that water in so many wrong places. But he does it by giving us himself. He, he, 
He, he gave Christ, his only son, on the cross as a sacrifice in our place so that we might be renewed and, and restored into relationship with him through faith. Again, the picture of baptism that we saw this morning, a picture of, of identifying with Christ. Uh, I'm with him. He died for me and rose from the dead, and in him I too died. And, and I'm rise, I, I've been raised to walk in newness of life. That means in a relationship, a real relationship with him. Jesus said that, that he will satisfy our inner thirst forever. Do you believe this? Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2 says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and, and my song. And he has become my salvation. Where do you get your strength? There is great strength that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit within. And, and great joy that comes. And, and one way of manifesting that joy is by singing. I, I hope as we sing our final song this morning that, that you will sing with all your might and it will come from joy and it will be a, an act of worship to the living God. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. The, the well of salvation is the only source of satisfaction for the longing of the human heart. And that leads us to our third point, and it's because living water from Jesus wells up to eternal life. Living water from Jesus wells up to eternal life. And, and you might think, well, that, that's kind of that, that verb there, welling up, that's not a word we use often, right? Sounds kind of churchy or something. Well, actually, that's, these, are the, these are Jesus' words. That's why we've got it here. Um, Jesus said, the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, we need to remember that this woman had to work hard to draw up water in her pail from 100 feet. I, I can tell you that uh, a pail of water, a small pail of water, weighs a lot at 100 feet, okay? Uh, that's a lot of work uh, for what you're getting. But here, the living water that Jesus gives wells up from within our hearts. This is an idiom for joy. And, and, and frankly, it's the opposite of boredom. My, my sister, uh, a couple years ago, uh, shot me a text, and she had just landed in Dubai. I think she was going to India or somewhere. And, uh, you know, back in the day when we lived in Afghanistan, Dubai was kind of a, a we transited there a lot, so I had a chance to see the, see the sites and stuff. And, and, and she was supposed to have a couple hour layover, and it turned into a little over uh, uh, 24 hours. So uh, she shot me the note, and I think she was thinking of just going to a, a hotel and crashing. And I said, hey, Tiffany, listen, um, you, need a, you, know, you can either jump in a taxi, they're safe, or if you want, there's actually a metro, it's above ground. Uh, but you should go down to the, it's called the Dubai Mall, and right behind it, happens to be the biggest mall in the world, right behind it is called the Dubai Fountain, all right? And it's pretty cool at night. Go check it out. And she did. And, and this is this fountain that's just, um, it's really beautiful, it's an amazing work of engineering. The same people who built the, the fountain in front of the Bellagio 
uh, went over there and, you know, the, the Emiratis gave him a whole bunch of money. And it's like four times the size, okay. It's basically this whole, like, lake. And you've got the, the Burj Al Khalifa, which is the largest building in the world. I think of it as the Tower of Babel, frankly. Um, but, um, and, and you sit there and there are all these restaurants and you can sit outside this, this like lake. And when the fountain comes alive, there's just thousands and thousands of jets that shoot up to over 100 feet. And they, they sink with music and it's beautiful. It's, it's amazing. Just water firing up, welling up. It's just dancing fountain that really is spectacular. Right? And, and so... Uh, a couple hours later, I got this text, and it was a photo or a little video of her there in front of the fountain, and it, it was a worshipful experience for her. Well, that's how Jesus is illustrating for us the experience of having the Holy Spirit living in your heart and, and filling your heart, your soul. It's like a dancing fountain in your heart. That's the idea here. And it's a fountain that, that wells up to eternal life. So picture surfing a geyser of pure water. Maybe you've been to Yosemite and you've seen geysers. You wouldn't want to try to surf one of those geysers. You get burned, right? Uh, and, and, and it's acrid um, uh, water that smells like sulfur. Now imagine surfing a, a pure geyser of water up to heaven. And that's the idea here. That's the idiom, the picture. Now you don't have to wait until you get there to heaven to experience this joy. Even now, you can experience eternal life in increasing returns through a personal relationship with God. And I appreciate, Bart, how you prayed for those who are suffering right now, and I love that. Not just, Lord, um, take away their physical suffering, but Lord, help them experience you as they suffer. You know, you can hurt on the outside and on the, you know, the inside, your, your nerves can be causing you pain, and you can still have joy in your heart by being indwelt and filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit from the moment of salvation, right? That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you've got to be filled with Him daily. And so Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 tells us that, instructs us, be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is something that, that we've got to do daily. It's through spiritual disciplines. It's by reading His Word. If, you feel, if you're feeling dry, guess what? Pick up and read. Reach for that Bible instead of that iPhone, right? Fill up your heart. With, spend an hour with God by listening to Him and then talk to Him. Um, ask Him to fill up your soul. We do that when we confess our sins. We do that when we step out in obedience of faith, right? Outside our comfort zones, those things that, that hold us back from, from doing what we know He wants us to do. When we do that, we experience a filling of the Holy Spirit, a, a joy in our, in our souls. Well, Jesus said that if, if you receive His living water, the spring in your heart will always flow. It is there for you. And you can keep drinking of it daily, until eternity. And maybe you're in this room and you're like, you know, I hear a bunch of words, but it's been a while since I have felt the presence of God, this kind of joy that we're talking about. Well, if you're a Christian, let me just encourage you to, to close your eyes for a moment and take a walk down memory lane to a time in which you felt God's presence in your life. Where were you? 
Well, maybe, maybe you were, maybe you were in a tent, in a, in a storm, on the side of a cliff, and his spirit gave you an incredible peace and even a joy because he reminded you, you knew in your heart that, that he was sovereign over every lightning bolt. Or maybe you were sitting beside the sea, asking God for direction in your life, and you, you felt him wrap you in his arms, and he reminded your soul that he is sovereign and that he is going to guide you lovingly through your life, that he's not going to let you go, that he's going to use you and bless you. Maybe you were in a different place. Maybe you were listening to a symphony, or maybe you were creating a, a masterpiece meal, or maybe you were looking through a microscope or a telescope, and your heart welled up with worship for the Lord and his beautiful design that you saw in creation. You, you designed these flavors. You, you designed this music, the ability for us to enjoy and to create. Maybe you were just reading your Bible or you're listening to a, a message from the Bible. And, and, and then you went and you overcame your fear and you stepped out in faith and you obeyed what the Lord says and, and you felt a rush of his spirit giving you a joy that was deeper than you had ever experienced before. John Piper says, and I, I love this saying, this is really kind of a summation of his entire theology, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. If, if you seek the living water, your soul will be satisfied, and he'll be glorified because that, that's his design. That's his plan for you, his purpose. Well, maybe you have never experienced what I'm talking about here. You've never experienced genuine salvation. You've never truly experienced the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Christianity has always just been cerebral to you. Or maybe you don't even understand much about this Christianity, but somehow God brought you here today. And if, if that's you, I want to ask you, do you want this living water? I, I hope you do. So what do you need to do to get it? Jesus said, you've got to ask for it. And of course, we ask for it in faith. And that's what the woman at the well did. In verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. I don't know how much she understood yet, but she wanted what Jesus had to offer. Give up trying to do it on your own and simply ask Jesus for his living water. This is so simple. And yet it is so hard. And, and why is that? Well, you know what? It violates our pride. We want to do it. We want to contribute. One pastor wrote, we'd rather go through life filling our jar with water that doesn't satisfy than to turn to Jesus and ask him for the water that actually quenches our thirst. Well, the truth is, we are not self-sufficient. If you think Christianity is, is, is one way to make you a better you or to add a little power to your, to your life, you got it wrong, right? This is, this, we are dead and we need life and he gives life. That's a summation of Christianity. 
All of us need Jesus. So are you bored of the stagnant water of Jacob's well? Are you tired of the disappointment that comes from the sludge? Well, come to Jesus in faith. A couple chapters later, at a, at a, and actually at a, at a feast in Jerusalem, probably at a ceremony where they were pouring out water, Jesus cried out in John 7, 38, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. Let's pray together. Give us humble hearts, O Lord, desperate for the living water that comes from Christ. Father, I I pray for the soul in this room who hasn't yet drunk from that well that today would be the day that you'd open their eyes, that they would recognize that they are a sinner in need of a Savior who will save and will satisfy the thirst that they've been dealing with all their lives. I pray that right now, I pray that today they would call out in humble faith and ask you for this water, for your spirit, for salvation. Lord, your word says that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Lord, I I pray for my sister or brother in this room, maybe who has walked with you for many years, but whose life feels dry right now spiritually. I pray that they would recognize that this living water is already there inside their heart, available for them to drink. And I pray that today they would drink of the living water, that they would spend time with you, that they would confess sin, Lord, that they would read your word and and, and commune again and talk with you. And Lord, I pray that you would indeed fill them with the water of your spirit. I pray this in Jesus Christ's great name. Amen.